Welcome back to Officially Unofficial Episode 28. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta, and we are here with a very special guest. He is a former Juco bandit and the second half of the famous Tweedledee and Tweedledum combo, as stated by Trent Thornton. He is Toronto Blue Jays' left-handed pitcher, and look at him on the camera right now, kind of a man-missile, Thomas Pannone. What is up, Thomas? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. There it is. And I, as I just stated, former Juco bandit, not a big deal. Let's yep. talk about that. Let's go right back into Juco because me and you have kind of a couple similar things here. We're yep. both Italian. We're both yeah, yeah. technically living in Toronto and we're both Juco bandits. Obviously, the difference is you're a big leaguer and I'm a joke. But let's get, in, <laughs> let's get into your Juco career here, okay? Yeah. Talk about your career when you were out of junior college and what that was kind of like to the listeners. Yeah, so um, pretty much like I got, I got drafted out of high school to play the outfields. And had all intentions of going to a Division One college. And then my advisor at the time pretty much just recommended junior college. And I kind of jumped on board, you know, the ability to just go there one year and, and try to get redrafted. That was, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to play pro ball really bad. So um, I kind of jumped on that bandwagon and then rode with it. Um, he put me in contact with a couple of junior colleges. And, and Southern Nevada was, was the best fit for me, really. And uh, – I actually traveled all the way across the country to go there, and and uh, you know it was it was easily the best year of my life. I mean, eye opening to to go away from home and, and to play with kids on the other side of the country, and and you know obviously that grinder lifestyle of being in junior college, you 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 know it's not really so much focused on schoolwork; it's more kind of baseball, and and that was really what I was looking for, and and it it was perfect. Yeah, so, so talk about the courses that you took at junior college. So we'll go into mine. My second yeah. semester of my second year, I mentioned this in the podcast earlier, my course load was I had criminology and yeah. then a class called coaching, which I would just sit in the classroom with my the college baseball coach and we would do shit all and watch like movies. And then yeah. I had weight training and then I had a class called baseball, which is just if you're on the baseball team, you get a, a credit of an A for it and yeah. art. So that was my second semester. Did you have any courses like that that were kind of funny that you took there? Yeah, I took this uh, rock and roll timeline class. It was a complete, <laughs> complete joke. But to just go there, like when the times I did show up to that class, it was easily like the funniest thing ever. Like we just go in and listen to the Beatles for an hour and then like just pretty much leave. Um, classes were very, very easy there. I, I didn't take too many like serious courses. I I took a couple writing classes. Uh like a math class. I mean, it wasn't all, it wasn't that too, it wasn't too hard, you know, very easy courses to pass. Yeah. So what was your team like when you're there? Cause CSN is actually a pretty good, like junior college program. Cause we, yeah. I know a couple guys that go there, a couple guys that play there and like, obviously they produce Bryce Harper, guys like that. So what was the program like when you were there record wise? Yeah. Um, I mean, we had a, we had a serious squad, a bunch of good, talented guys. Um, a lot of guys that were from the Vegas area that, you know, good high school ball players. I just wanted to keep playing in junior college. Um, we only had three guys drafted that year out of that school, but I mean, it's still pretty, pretty damn good to have three guys drafted. Um, at one point or another, I think we were ranked fourth in the country, or third in the country. So we had a good run, but we ended up getting beat in like the conference final. Uh, so we didn't get to really go to like the regional or anything, but it was sick. Got to play in like a wood bat league, which not many junior colleges are. Um, and just playing on the West Coast, you know, I was traveling to Salt Lake City and Colorado and uh, Idaho, states that I would never really see myself ever traveling to. I got to actually experience and go to, so I was sick. 
Yeah, and you were only you said you were only there for a year, I believe. You got drafted right out of your freshman yeah. year. Were, yeah. Did you have looks from Division One schools, and were you yeah. committed before you got obviously went to the draft? Yeah, um, I actually committed that winter um, to the University of Arizona for the following year. So I was only going to go one year of junior college, and then I was going to go on to Division One to go play at Arizona. Um, but I told Arizona, you know, if I got drafted in the top ten rounds, I was going to sign. And uh, I got picked in the ninth round, so I, I pretty much just rolled the dice and, and signed. I signed for, you know, under slot. I just wanted to play pro ball that bad, man. I just I was all for it. And I, like I, I wonder this is yeah. you were committed to a school within the, in the United States of America. I don't have the stats on it. Has yeah. arguably the best looking women in the nation. So you oh, pretty yeah. much you pretty much said no to potentially yeah. finding a wife and gave that up to play pro ball. What was yeah. that decision like for you to be to literally say no to the state with the best looking women in the country to go yeah. play pro ball and travel on a bus eating seven dollar peanut butter and jam sandwiches? <laughs> How hard was that? Yeah, it was actually pretty tough. But you know, I was I looked at it as like a, a very good opportunity. Obviously, I I was getting picked by a major league team, so. At the time, I didn't even I didn't even second guess going to college just because I knew what kind of I, I knew where my mind was. You know, I wasn't really like I didn't put all that much time and effort into my schoolwork as I should have. But I, I knew what I wanted to do, and that was to play professional baseball. So I knew the decision I was making was right. And, you know, I rolled with it. Yeah, and I like I said, a shout out to you for turning down that school because I, I could have got drafted in the first round and I would have went to Arizona. <laughs> like I just it's just something that that kind of has to get done. And yeah. when you were at the junior college, like what was your stats like? Because to get drafted out of a JUCO is kind of difficult compared to a guy that's out of D one. You yeah. must have just put kids in blenders in the batter's box. Yeah, but that's pretty much what I did. I I was just beating guys with my fastball, and I think that's what scouts love so much. I was ninety ninety four then. And I really only knew how to throw a fastball. Like I would, I'd go into the game. I might throw you three curveballs, four curveballs, and I had no clue how to throw a changeup. Like I remember my pitching coach Brian Gidge. He was telling me, he's like, dude, these scouts need to see you throw a changeup. Like we were working on trying to like work with some grips on changeups, and it was so bad. Like I would throw these changeups in the game. Like I would throw two of them just so the scouts would see that I could throw a changeup. But I was just going after guys with strictly the number one heater, and that was all I was really rolling with. And it yeah. paid off. You know, I punched out a lot of guys that year. I think I led, I led that conference in strikeouts, and that was what put my name on the map. Really, was just my fastball. And the thing is that you got you got, you kind of got that advantage of is you're a lefty too, right? So to have a lefty in junior college yeah, yeah. that carves, throws 90 to 94, it doesn't even matter if it's accurate or not. At the end of the day, oh, they yeah. can work on that. You just have that potential to throw that fastball, right? And that that's really it. Even I mean that that was what got me drafted, being left-handed and having that life on my fastball. Like scouts, I guess looked at me as like a little bit of a project coming into pro baseball. I was very raw, like didn't have all the tools yet, but. I guess, you know, I was coachable and, and and I was ready to learn. You know, I was ready to learn a change up. I was ready to get my curveball better. And that was what I did. Yeah, and that, that's the thing about you is, like, you only were only at JUCO for a year. So, obviously, this question kind of doesn't really make as much sense because you weren't there for the, the, as long period of time. Yeah. In my junior college career, I was there for two years. Uh, hip below my body weight was an embarrassment to my family. I, 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 can, I continuously have stated that I should be in prison for fraud for getting a scholarship for what the performance I did on the field. But we'll go – 
off the field, I was just a stallion. I'd get after yeah. it. The boys would get after it. What yeah. was it like at CSN? Because I know at CSN, it's a little bit different than like when I went to school. It's more of like a prestigious program. Yeah. Were guys getting after it and just crushing beers after the games and stuff? Yeah, yeah, we were definitely getting after it. I had a great squad of guys down there and a good mix of like local kids. I knew people around town, new guys that were going to UNLV. Just like had a great group of guys. One of my friends down there, his name's Chad. He had a nice house. You know, we always hung around over there. And, and yeah, we definitely got after it. That's for sure. Do you have any funny stories? Because I, we actually did a Juco episode here with Eric Sim. And yeah. I, we, we, we like, kind of shared funny stories. So I'll give you a real-life one. Yeah. One, we were on the bus, and my buddy, Chase, he's probably, he's probably going to be listening to this. He, yeah. We came back. We just lost in the playoffs. And he, like, he literally shit himself and threw his shorts <laughs> out of the bus window. But his shorts had his wallet in the like in the oh. in it. so my coach is driving the bus like livid and he's like and my buddy has to walk weasel his way up to the coach say coach you gotta turn the bus around because i shit in my pants and i threw my shorts out of the window with my wallet in the shorts it was the weirdest thing of all time oh but do you have any, do you have any funny stories like that from your juco career yeah i mean i i have this great night that i'll always remember we had um we had this Halloween party. It was in October, and we were still playing fall ball, like still still playing games in the fall. And we had this blowout party, this Halloween party. It was just a great night. And we actually had to wake up the next day at 7 a.m., get on the bus, and drive to Pepperdine, the scrimmage Pepperdine. And, I mean, obviously, we were all hungover, feeling like crap. And that was actually the day that I got seen by University of Arizona. And I went to the game, like, I mean – I was, you know, fairly new to getting hung over and drinking like that, drinking heavily like that. So I went to the game feeling like crap, and I actually think I got three hits, and I was just balling out. Um, and that was what got me looked at by Arizona was that night, but I'll never forget that. So, like, when you were at the junior college, like, would your coach – kind of forbid the drinking because our coach literally knew about it and he hated it were you guys getting in trouble about that stuff or was it kind of kept low-key yeah i think we did a good job of keeping it low-key but we also had some older guys that were a little like a little more mature like we had this one guy he actually he served a little bit of time in iraq and he came back and he was like 30 years old on my junior college team like just still throwing 93 like this guy was like kind of like the dad of the team kind of kept us all together yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, we were in Vegas, you know. We we did some stupid <laughs> shit, so uh, we definitely had our good times. Were you uh, like, did you did you did you are you a crops guy? Like, what's your what's your game game of choice at the gamble at the casino? Um, I mean, I, I like to play blackjack. Like, if I'm in a casino, I, I like to play blackjack. My, uh, I'd say blackjack or roulette. Roulette's always a good time. But I know how to play craps. I'm not totally confident on hopping on a table and like messing up you know i don't want to you know people get go crazy in casinos and they all get all weird when you mess something up <laughs> yeah exactly and and especially when you're in vegas there's more obviously the high rollers there and oh, they're like yeah. if, if, if you're ruining the pace of the game they kind of yeah. get pissed i was in vegas a couple months ago visiting my buddies and we were at the crafts table and my buddy was on the dice so me and my buddy were on the dice and the guy had money all over the table all over the numbers and the crafts and yeah. i rolled a seven 
And the guy was like, all right, whatever. Like, the guy, this is a high roller, and he has, like, thousands on the table. Yeah. And then my buddy comes up, first roll, rolls a seven, and this guy is just roasting me and my buddy. And I <laughs> roast him back, and, and, and the pit boss is like, enough to me, because the guy was spending a lot of money. So yeah. I was just getting roasted. And that's what, <laughs> that's what I kind of realized in Vegas compared to here is, like, they're really strict with that kind of stuff. If you're talking yeah. shit to a high roller, they'll kick oh, yeah. you out. They don't care. Oh, yeah, they'll keep the high roller all day. You know, they don't want to – they're not trying to let them walk out, you know. Exactly. Let's get into your playing career, obviously, because we're, we're, yeah. we came off the road. I love talking about junior colleges, shitty bus rides, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. You get drafted by the Indians in the ninth round, which yeah. is, I mean, like I stated earlier, pretty good. And yeah. you act absolutely carved in, tw- I think it was 2017 in Akron for the yeah. Rubber Ducks. We'll talk about that name later. You went 6-1 and one with a 2-6-2 ERA. Yeah. How- what was going right for you that year? Because that year must have put you in the close to the top prospects list because you were carving. Yeah, that year really, it changed my whole career because I started the year off in high A. Um, and I started the year off like 37, 38 innings scoreless. Like I just went on an absolute tear, got myself promoted to double A. And at that point, my name was kind of getting out there, getting a little more publicity. And then um, I went on to the Akron Rubber Ducks and then I continued to pitch good, made the all-star team in double-A, and then I got traded to the Blue Jays for Joe Smith. Um, and that seriously, that year changed my whole career because it, it got me traded, and being traded was, was the best thing that happened to me. Put me in a good position to make it to the big leagues. But, I mean, really, I was just rolling. I was like, every time out there, my confidence was through the through the roof. Guys were on if a guy was on second or third base, I would just look back at him and be like, you're not, you're not scoring. I don't even care. Like I would just, I was beating guys with my fastball. My curveball was good. And I was just pitching with like serious confidence. And I, I think that's, you know, that's the biggest thing in this game is to play with confidence and pitch with confidence and uh, keeps you loose and keeps you aggressive, you know? Yeah. And, and when things are going that well for you, as they yeah. were that whole year. Are yeah. you kind of keeping the same things? Like, do you have the same ritual pregame, postgame? Yeah. You're oh, not like, yeah. you're not doing anything different? No, yeah, that year I was like, I was very superstitious because like I was rolling so hard. I was like, everything was going right. I was like, ball was bouncing my way. You know, obviously things have to, like luck has to come into play too when you're pitching that good. And it was for me, like things were just falling and, 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 uh, I mean, yeah, I was keeping everything the same on game day, uh, after I pitched, my preparation in between, like, I was eating the same thing, you know, like, I was just, I was a robot, really, and then that's what you need to do when things are rolling. I don't know if you do this, but I did this during my whole playing career because every single game I did bad. I would yeah. try to switch something up in the pregame yeah. routine. Like, let's say I put my left sock on first, and yeah. then I'd go 0 for 4 with the golden sombrero, <laughs> four punches like I usually did. I'd switch it to the right sock first, and then I'd yeah. get I'd get a miraculous single in that game, and I'd yeah. be worried as hell doing the next thing, the, the game after. So when yeah. things aren't going right for you, are you switching things up, doing whatever it takes to get that superstitious mode back in? You know what, I, I've always been, um, like, my pregame routine, I've always kind of kept it the same way. Even if I wasn't going good, I kept it the same way. I always, you know, I always listen to uh, the song Dance Dance by the Fall Out Boys right before I run out. I know it's kind of, <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a weird song, and I'm happy I dropped that, but, like, that song just gets me jacked up. And when I listen to it before a game, it's like, I just kind of get rolling, you know? I feel good inside. Um, but, no, I... I, I I kind of keep everything rolling the same way uh, pregame-wise, but definitely, you know, days leading up to a start, um, 
you know, you might want to tinker with some things if it's not going going the way you want to, you know. Yeah, and let's talk about the Ask Akron, sorry, Rubber Ducks that I yeah. mentioned earlier. We've yeah. dealt with so many weird team names here, and I'm yeah. a big guy that likes to purchase me a minor league baseball hats because yeah. the logos are just hilarious. We've had the Modesto Nuts, the yeah. Biscuits. What is the logo for? Like, what is the mascot for the Rubber Ducks, and what is like the song that they play every home win? Because it has to be something incredibly weird. You know the the mascot when I played for the Rubber Ducks, the mascot wasn't even a rubber duck like the hat the hat didn't have like a rubber like that yellow rubber duck like that i think they actually came out with one this past year like a blue hat with a yellow duck on it that's yeah. what i wanted when i was on that team but we had like this kind of like futuristic looking duck um but you know i love playing in akron the, the stadium is sick it's a great place to pitch um big ballpark the city's city's actually not that bad um, I can't think of the song. I know that there was a song, man. It was like they played it every night. I can't think of how it went, but it was definitely unique and special. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it just like all, like the thing that people don't understand is what makes baseball so different and weird is just the weird cities and the names of the teams in minor league baseball. I do not understand it. And you mentioned the towns. What's the weirdest town that you were like you you played in? Just based mm-hmm. on the fact that you're like, I can't believe I'm here playing professional baseball right now. There was a couple of towns I'm going to drop them right now in the Midwest League, low A. I played in uh, Clinton, Iowa. That place was like, I couldn't believe that there was a baseball team there. <laughs> uh, Beloit, uh, Wisconsin, that place yeah. was special. Um, I'd say those two stick out like the most out of any places I've ever been. Like the hotel that we were staying at was just janky uh the locker rooms i remember the locker room in uh clinton it was literally like a dirt floor like you'd get out of the shower <laughs> you get out of the shower and you take your slide and your sandals off you put your foot down on the floor you look at the bottom of your foot and it was brown it was like wh- are we outside like wh- what are we doing here? <laughs> I, I couldn't believe playing there that was i'm happy that i got to experience playing at those places because then you appreciate nicer places you know but um those are definitely places I'll never forget. Yeah, and uh, do you have any funny stories? Because you said like that was a pretty funny story. You come out of the shower and you're stepping in the dirt, yeah. in the mud. Yeah. Is there any funny stories? Because Trent mentioned a story last week that was so funny that he was walking through a town. I don't know if you heard it. And we'll pretend you listen to this podcast. So, yeah, you heard yeah. it. So, obviously, now you're talking about it. I'm just redoing this for the listeners. So, yeah. he was walking through a town, and someone comes up to him and says, Hey, man, do you have any money? It's not him. It's his buddy. And his buddy pulls out his wallet, and he's like, here. And the, bu- and the guy, he gives him a five. And the guy's like, no, 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 that's not enough. I want that $100 bill in your wallet. <laughs> so the guy got bullied by a homeless man to give him the $100 bill out of the wallet. So do you have any funny stories like that from, from your minor league career or just weird, like, weird hotels or just funny, like, interactions you had there? Um, actually, when we played in um, Beloit, the hotel room, I've only ever seen this in Beloit. The hotel room literally had two doors that you can leave and enter the room in. So, like, there was a front and a back door to the room, which was super weird. And um, there was this incident there with a the woman, one of the women's cleaning the rooms. It was with the guy on my team. She ended up yelling at him. It's not really, like, I can't think of anything really off the top of my head that was was really funny about playing in those cities. But, um yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't have too many good stories from then. 
Yeah, no, so, some people do, some people don't. And you kind of yeah. played in that minor league division where it's not as southern as most yeah. people play because most of the guys we get here kind of played, it depends where they are, but they played in the southern division, so they're dealing with, like, more funny and just weird redneck kind of guys. But you yeah. kind of were closer to, like, the Toronto area, not the Toronto area, but closer to us. Or, yeah, is that Midwest, north? Or, like, is that Midwest, north? Like, east, uh, northeast, you know. Yeah. I, I really loved playing, like, in the Midwest, and then I was fortunate enough to get traded to the Blue Jays, got to play in New Hampshire and Buffalo and travel to Pawtucket and, and go close to home. So that was that was really special. And let, let's go into let's go into you, you getting traded. You mentioned you got traded to the Blue Jays. And yeah. being a guy that's from Rhode Island, have you sure. been to Canada before that trade happened? Yeah, no, no. I had never been to Toronto. I'd never been to Canada before. Um the first time I went, I got to go up there in the winter of uh, before the 2018 season. So I got to go to like Winterfest, which was, I mean, my first experience in Toronto was freezing cold. Uh, didn't get to go outside much. But when I got to come up at the end of 18 in the season and just seeing how the summer was and everything, I mean, just awesome city to be a part of and to play in front of. I mean, it's just really cool. Yeah, and, and and so you let's talk about your big league debut. You get yeah. the call to the big leagues in August of 2018. You're pitching against, I mean, a pretty good team, like a playoff contending team, the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Where were you when you kind of got the when you not kind of like you got the call? And yeah. who was the first person you called? I um, well, the, I had a game that night in AAA, and I my manager didn't tell me that night. He he waited till everyone went home. I was. I was at home at my apartment with my roommates. We were kind of just hanging out playing FIFA. And then he gave me a call. I wasn't even expecting to go to the big leagues. I only had thrown like 30 innings in AAA. And he called me. He was like, hey, man, I just want to let you know, like, congratulations, you're going to the big leagues. Like, they need you up there. I was, And I was obviously ecstatic. I hung up with him. And it was late. It was like 1145 at night. And I just started calling my mom and dad, like, immediately. And... They answered, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to the big leagues. And uh, they were obviously ecstatic, and then they flew out uh, that next day to come up there too. So it was, it was really special. I mean, how anticlimactic is that your manager just calls you at yeah. like 11.45 at the night? Why, why Was there a reasoning behind that? I, I don't know the reasoning behind it, and I've kind of always wondered that too. You know, obviously there's, there's plenty of guys that have special stories, again, called into the office and all this and that, but like, for him to do it the way he did, you know, I kind of was pissed off about it. But at the end of the day, I guess I just let it fuel me a little more. But whatever. He, he's, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, that, that's actually – like, I, I was expecting, like, a story you called in the office. We had a couple guys like Donnie Walton who, who like, the coach kind of pranked him into doing it in front of the whole team, which is, like, yeah. it was a moment you kind of share with teammates. I just don't really understand the whole reasoning behind just calling you at 11 o'clock yeah. until you're going to the big leagues, like a big announcement like that. I know, and I, I kind of felt like he didn't really, like, he, he didn't make anything special out of it, which, you know, it's a special moment for anybody yeah. if, if you get that call. And for him to do it the way he did, you know, it, it could have been a little bit better. But, you know, I, I didn't really have, like, I, I didn't know him all that well yet. Like, we didn't have, like, this great special relationship player-manager yet. Um but still, you know, any player, you know, you should, you should at least get the call into the office. And and I and I have had that since then. You know, I've been sent down to AAA again and called back up to the big leagues by going into the manager's office, which is nice. But still, that first time, you know, I, I, I just got a phone call. So, 
Yeah, no, exactly. It's just the weirdest thing of all time. And how how convenient is that to have your AAA team in Buffalo? Because before, yeah. the, the Blue Jays AAA team was in Las Vegas. So yeah. when you get the call up, you have to go all the way, travel from Vegas to Toronto. With Buffalo, you just drive down the, Q, I guess it's the QEW. I yeah. could be wrong with that highway. And you're yeah. just at the Rogers Center in like two hours. Yeah, it's awesome. Like that next day I woke up and I got, a, I got picked up by a car service right at the stadium and then just drove right to Toronto, and then before you know it, I'm sitting in the bullpen Yeah, about to crap, about to crap myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, What was Buffalo like? Because pe- Buffalo gets talked down on a lot, and I think it's one of the, the like yeah. the most blue-collar Juco city in it all is. of America. It's just it grimy. Is. The bars there are fun. You got the Bills yeah, jumping through jumping through jumping through tables yeah. you got jack eichel ripping apart the nhl yeah. How, what was your time what was your experience like in buffalo during the playing career you had there yeah i mean i played there in 18 and i played there a little bit last year um it's i think it's a great city you know it's not what all people hype it up to like you know people talk bad about it but i don't get to experience the winter there which i'm sure is brutal um but playing there is fun you know the stadium's sick big big ballpark but the nightlife in, in Buffalo actually isn't that bad either. You know, there's some good bars, good good nightlife, um, and there's pretty good food there too. I, I've always enjoyed eating there. Yeah, and you mentioned nightlife, and yeah. we're gonna pump your tires a little bit. I stated earlier in the chat. I stated earlier in the convo. You're a man missile. Kind. You're. I'm. Kind, I want to kind of tab you as the bachelor of the Toronto Blue Jays. So Thank let's you. just let's just start that narrative. You're the bachelor of the Toronto Blue Jays. You might have to start a TV show or something. When yeah. you're going out to the bar. And yeah. be honest on this. I usually ask this to the guests. Are you throwing the I play pro baseball card at the females? All right. Well, right now I, I do have a girlfriend. I Wiped met, up. met this beautiful girl from Toronto last season. Um, but before I met her, you know, I'm not really the one to like flaunt around that. Hey, I play for the Blue Jays, this and that. But if it does come up in conversation, I always let it come up naturally. Because once it's out of my mouth, you know, it's pretty much... You know, it's a game changer. It's a game changer once you say that to a girl. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely a line used by a lot of guys that play pro baseball. That's for sure. And I have used it in the past. Uh, right now, I'm not because I have a girlfriend. There it is. I should have done my research better. And girlfriend oh. of Thomas Panone, if you're listening to this, I apologize for that. And we'll, no, I'll probably get to see you at a Jays game. We'll maybe go to Cactus Club. Me, you, and Thomas on me. We'll figure that out from there. But what? <laughs> <laughs> so you now this is a question that we're going to kind of start here when you're going up for arbitration and free agent are you kind of willing to get a, a little a canadian passport here you kind of can get that dual citizenship if marriage comes across here wow um you know i haven't really thought too deep into that <laughs> yet but um you know i guess it's a, i i don't think i would get the dual citizenship i would just i would stick to what i have right now i think i just have like the working the visa yeah, yeah, like the work visa. Um, you know, hopefully I can get my girlfriend to, to you know, come to uh, Rhode Island, you know, be a there citizen of the United States. Yeah, and what what's the biggest difference that you noticed from, like, the U.S. to Canada? Because for me, it was, like, the insane amount of, like, fast food restaurants in the U.S. Like, you're oh, in the U.S., yeah. and everywhere you turn, there's a McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, all those kind of places. And there's yeah. way more places than we have here. Oh, yeah. what, what what did you notice from Toronto compared to – you were in Rhode Island, which is kind of like, like Canada. But yeah. what was the biggest difference that you noticed? Well, I mean, obviously, living in in a huge city like Toronto, it's it's way different than living. You know, I, I'm from 
not a city like that in, in Cranston, Rhode Island. But um, there is definitely way more fast food in, in the United States than Canada. My girlfriend actually said that to me, um, that she noticed that. So a thing that I noticed probably, uh, I mean, just the, the different races of people. I mean, there's so many different, you know, you know, races and, and everyone's, you know, different. It seems like everyone dresses pretty, uh, you know, everyone's fashionable and uh, I guess you'd say hip is the word, like new kind of yeah. that new style. I, I really enjoy being in Toronto. I feel like it's kind of in the future, you know? Yeah, exactly. And the thing that I wanted to mention about you is, is I stated earlier, you're Italian like me, yeah. and there is a massive Italian population oh, in Toronto, yeah. areas like that. And we got to get you to embrace that. We got to get you going to Little Italy, signing babies' <laughs> foreheads, meeting the I mafia leaders. I would seriously love that. You know, I do have to get to Little Italy. Yeah, and we'll and honestly, I'm gonna start a nickname for you. I'm gonna call you the Tom Father, and we're gonna <laughs> kind of Photoshop your face into the the the, the Godfather Dude, I love movie that. I love picture. That. <laughs> I love yeah. That. So, is your is your whole family Italian? Like, did they migrate from Italy to New York, or um, obviously Rhode yeah, Island? Yeah, I'm actually 75% Italian. I'm 25% French Canadian. My grandmother is uh, she was French Canadian from Montreal, and that's uh, how I have a little bit of that in me. But everyone else in my family's full-blooded Italian, and uh, I get that little bit of French-Canadian from my dad, from his mom, so, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much, like, my family's full-blown Italian, like, eating Italian food all, all the time, and my mom's a great cook, my dad's a great cook, too, so, uh, always eating good, a lot of pasta, and uh, chicken parm. You gotta, get, you gotta get your walkout song when you're coming in from the bullpen to be the Godfather theme song. I feel like that would be electric. Like the crowd would be like, "Holy shit!" I really Add some do. WWE to that to the MLB. I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and listen to it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And let, let's go into your. The, I wanted to talk about an appearance that you had in 2018, and this is where I was watching, and yeah. I'm looking at like my family. I'm like, holy shit, there's an Italian guy here on the mound carving. Maybe that could be me someday. Yeah. You were. It was August 22nd of 2018, and this is the start where I'm like, this guy carves for a living. Yeah. You went seven scoreless, one hit. You had a yeah. no hitter through six. What was going through your head during that, man? When you're throwing a no-hitter, you're a rookie, and you're just embarrassing the Baltimore Orioles. Like, what was going through your head? All right, so that was my first start ever in the big leagues. Obviously, I was stupid nervous the night before, waking up that day. Like, I was blessed that it was a day game because it didn't give me a lot of time to really, like, let it set in that I was about to start a game in the big leagues. And I just took the mound and, like, I just couldn't miss the mitt. Like, I was just, like, so laser-focused, but didn't even know I was laser-focused. Like, everything was just hitting the mitt. My changeup was super effective that day. My curveball was great. And I was just on a – me and Jano just had a great game plan. And and I was actually living with Jano at the time. We had uh, moved into this little apartment in Toronto. And, um, you know, we, we left for the stadium that day, and then we came back. And I remember just sitting on the couch. I was looking at him. I'm like, dude did we really just do that? Like, I can't even believe that I just threw that game, you know? And, you know, I got through six innings and, and I mean, obviously you're throwing no hitter. You know, you're throwing no hitter. I don't care. Anyone who says they don't yeah. throw no hitter, you know, you're throwing no hitter. And, uh, I got out there in the seventh and Trey Mancini was leading off and he got a base hit to left. 
and uh, through the six hole, and he got the first base, and he gave me a little head nod, like a tip of the cap, and I was just like, that, that was, you know, a moment I'll definitely never forget. And I actually got in a little bit of a jam in that seventh inning. I had second and third no outs, and I got out of it and, uh, you know, completed the outing, seven innings, one hit, and then when I came in the dugout, I mean, I was ready to be taken out of the game at that point. Once I gave up the hit and, and I had to battle my ass off in that seventh inning, it was just, it was super rewarding to come out. And I actually ended up getting my first major league win too that day. So it was very special. Yeah, that was kind of like, that was kind of your coming out party. And you mentioned when pitchers are like, whoa, I didn't even realize I had a no hitter. That yeah. is the biggest lie yeah. of all time. When people are like to the, they're like to the reporters, they're like, to be honest, I had no idea I was throwing a perfect game through seven. It's the and biggest maybe, lie of all time. And maybe they are, but like, Maybe they're like so laser focused, and I don't, I don't have that gene. But like, I, I mean, I, I, I knew I had a no hitter in the fourth inning, you know. <laughs> and when you have a no hitter, is it rolling through your head like, don't give up a hit, don't give up a hit, don't give up a hit? Or are you just trying to get the next guy out? No, I, 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 I mean, obviously you don't want to give up a hit, but you're really trying to just stay focused, pitch to pitch. Because if you if you start thinking long term, you start thinking you're in the ninth inning. All of a sudden, you're in the third inning. You're gonna just get your ass handed to you super quick. So. I, uh, that day, I was just moving at a great pace. I was focused on pitch to pitch, and, and I just kept piling up outs. And Before you know it, I was in the seventh inning, no hits. So let's talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Who is the best dressed on the Toronto Blue Jays? Damn, best dressed. Probably Brandon Jury. Low-key kind of guy. I would never have thought that because I guess yeah. I, I don't see him as much. Yeah. Who gets the most? Who gets recognized the most when you go out in public? Who gets recognized the most? I mean, it's got to be Vlad. Oh, you can't miss that guy. Like Trent Thornton said, you can't miss him. He has a wagon on him. Can't oh, miss, got, can't miss that. <laughs> yeah, he's got a wagon, man. His hair, I mean, he, he just, he looks the part, you know. He, he pulls it off great. I thought you would save Bo Bichette, to be honest, because that guy, talk yeah, about but, bachelors and uh, that yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, Bo <laughs> The next guy is, who gets, and you don't have to name, actually, you kind of do have to name names, because that, that's the whole part of this. Who yeah. gets, like, the most females in the Jays, or who attracts the most, like, female fans in the Toronto Blue Jays? I'm going to go Thornton. Really? Trent? Yeah, Thornton does a good job for himself. He's, uh, he's a good talker. He's a sweet talker. You know, the, the ladies love him. <laughs> what? What? That guy is incredible. First of all, he's just an electric factory on the mound. And would you put that in the next question? Is he the is he the funniest guy on the team? Because I heard Rowdy Telez. I heard him. I heard you. I've heard a lot of names. Would you think, is Trent, is Trent Thornton the funniest? He, he he definitely makes me laugh the most. I mean, I I just find him super funny. He's he's always keeping it light, and uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna pick him for the funniest guy on the team. Okay, and this is the last question. This isn't even a question you have to like the player you have to name. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you like how underrated are the Blue Jays this year? Because people are just roasting me online uh, for this shit. Talk about the team you guys have, man, because that pitching stuff is something serious. And that and the young guys you have, Guriel, Bichette, Biggio. Like, everyone, they're so nasty. Like, talk about how good of a team you guys are. I, I just think if people are sleeping on the Blue Jays, I think they're just stupid. I mean, the lineup that we have, I was just looking at them today. You know, the starting lineup, it's Bichette, Biggio, Guriel, Guerrero. I mean, we got Grichik in, like, the five, six-hole. Teoscar Hernandez in the six-holes, fifth, six-hole. Like, Rowdy's going to be in there. I mean, we got guys that can absolutely bang the ball around the park. Obviously, we got, um, you know, Ryu. I think our starting rotation this year is going to be a big big addition and a big help to the team um, and definitely save some save some uh, innings in the bullpen and, and 
have some guys come in and throw some lightning. Exactly. And there's another guy who we had on this podcast, not a big deal, kind of a legit podcast we got running here. His name, he goes by the name of Nate Pearson. And I actually deemed him the nickname The Thick Six God. That's the nickname that I gave him just based on the fact that he's so big, kind of has a wagon on him. If he's listening to this, he's probably going to probably gonna roast me over, over text about this anyways. How nasty is Trent Thorne? Because this guy throws gas. Yeah. Wait, about Pearson or Thorne? Or Pearson. Did I say yeah, Trent? Yeah, yeah, you did, but you're good. I, I got you. Um, man, I've never seen anyone like Pearson. I've never just seen anyone just, you know, true spin a fastball, just get it in there. Um He's a, he's a lot of fun to watch, even when, like, in bullpen settings, you know, just seeing how he handles his business and, and the way the ball comes out of his hand is special. I mean, he's, he's a once-in-a-lifetime arm, and, and I'm really excited to see what he does in the big leagues. And a funny story about Trent. I did this thing on Twitter, and, I, like, I, this is, I'm just a marketing genius. So what I did is I said if, this, if our Twitter account reaches 1,000 followers, yeah. I will buy someone tickets to the Blue Jays' home opener and get a uh, – a Nate Pearson tattoo on my chest. And obviously, I I over-exaggerated how much social media power I had. And I think I got like 60 followers, 60 new followers. So I kind of overminded a little bit. But Trent Trent Thornton actually... I, that's why I asked you previously if Trent Thornton liked the podcast because I was assuming this guy thought I was a clown because yeah. I mean he didn't he didn't retweet it or, or posted like like this podcast on his social media and people usually do that and I was like man did this guy hate me or something I had no idea what was going on but I, I wanted to mention something about Trent and this is this is the, we usually make promo clips about this podcast and yeah. this is the promo clip that I'm going to make here so people listening to this you're going to see this on Twitter in a couple in like couple minutes you guys had maybe the most electric Halloween costume. In MLB history. And I'm going to name that right now the most electric in MLB history. You guys were Fire and Ice from the movie Blades of Glory. What came into that, the thought process about that, and how electric – who thought of it? I want want to give someone credit. All right. So um, Ken Giles, he – I think he – I don't know if he bought the costumes for everyone, but he picked what everyone was going to wear at least. And the guys on the team know that me and Trent are pretty tight. So I think they matched us up together to wear like a, um, like a duo costume, like guy, like to match up, you know? And we came in from a game one night and all these costumes are hanging in every rookie's locker. And Trent's locker was like right where you walked in the locker room, like turned right. And I see what he has. And I started laughing. I'm like, Oh, you're gonna look like an idiot. And then I start walking down the locker room and I look into my locker and it looks just like his, except like then I realized it was from Blades of Glory. And we just, <laughs> mine was a little too tight. Mine was like a size medium and his was like a size large, but they didn't have mine in a size large. I guess like it wouldn't, it was sold out or something. So I had to squeeze into this medium and we just had the time of our lives that night. We went to this place, open bar. It was just a complete shit show. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love the Blue Jays, man. You guys just get after it. And yeah. who would you, like, besides Trent, who would you say is, like, the funnest on the Blue Jays? Like, the guy when you go out, like, he's just having a good time, cracking jokes, roasting people. Like, who's the like, Who's the guy you go out with that's, like, just incredible? Um, last year, we had a good group of older guys, like Daniel Hudson. He was great to be around. I, um, you know, going out with him and, and getting a couple of drinks with him, but... Uh, Luke Maley, he was another good a good leader on the team, go out. But to be honest, um, if I was going to hit the city in Toronto, I'm definitely going. I'd probably just rolling with Trent. I mean, we had a we had a good good run last year of doing what we were doing, so um, probably him. 
Yeah, and you guys are called Tweedledee. He actually said this. I didn't even come out with this. I said this yeah. in the intro. You guys are called Tweedledee and Tweedledum, which is just in- honestly hilarious. Yeah. What is there a reason? Like, when did you guys get so close? Because I honestly didn't even know that you guys were that close before. Did it just start when your your career started with the Blue Jays? Yeah. So last spring, um, I mean, we came into we came into spring training last year. I didn't really even know him. Like, we just met at Winterfest, and then like we came into spring training, and like as the weeks were going on, like I was around him a lot, and we were like always telling each other stories about things that happened to us in the past, and like we had a lot in common. So like. And as the time was going on, like, he was kind of in the running for the rotation, and I was kind of hoping to just make the team. And we were just talking every day, like, kind of like, you know, guys in pro baseball always pretend to be the GM, you know, like, oh, who's going to make the team? Who's going to do this? Like, who's going to play where? And, like, every day we were just playing GM. Like, man, like, we just wanted to make the team so bad. And then the end of spring came, and we both made the team. And from then on, like, our relationship just, like, blossomed. And we just had, like, the most fun first year in the big leagues ever. And we were just always around each other, always laughing. We played catch every day. Um, so always keeping it light. And I think a lot of people just enjoy being around us because we're always having fun. So. Yeah. No, like, I, I could definitely see it. You guys are kind of like, he's more of, like, a southerner kind of guy with his accent. He has a crazy yeah. accent. And I have something that you guys, I want I want to bring this, I want to allow myself into the Blue Jays locker room and bring this. I created a nickname for Trent, just like I created one for you. The Trent nickname that I thought of is Mr. September. Just yep. something that, because he carves the month of September. I think he was, like, 2-0 and with a 2-something ERA. So I yep. was going to start calling him Mr. September. That's his nickname for me. Yeah, that was a great nickname, I think, because he, you know, he had a great season last year. He took the ball every single time he was asked. And then, obviously, he finished the year stronger than he started, and that's what you want to do. I mean, in this game, people remember what you do at the end of the year and how you finish and, and, and how you hold yourself accountable. So he did a great job. Yeah, and what, what, do you have, like, a funny Trent story that's, I guess, I, you obviously have to keep it a little oh, bit appropriate. Yeah. I got so many of them. Um, you know, we used to, uh, when we would fly, they used to make him – go to the front of the plane and stand on food trays. <laughs> and then as the plane would start taking off, like and start going up, he would start sliding down the aisle of the plane. <laughs> and we'd have to like catch him on the way back because he was flying down on the food trays. <laughs> they made him do it a couple of times. Trent was really like last year, a lot of the veteran guys, they didn't pick on him, but like they knew that he could handle it really well. Like, he took a lot of shit from some of the veteran guys and he handled it really well. But, uh, that was def that, 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 uh, <laughs> make him do that was, was always so funny. And what is rookie initiation like for you guys? Cause you said the Halloween costume and stuff like yeah. that. I know in hockey, they do some funny stuff. Like they'll put ketchup on your shoe or something like that. When you're eating dinner, yeah. is there some funny rookie initiations that the vets did to like you or Trent or anything like that? Yeah. So like when you get your first win in the big leagues, they put you like in this, laundry basket and they will you in the shower the whole team comes in they got eggs milk they got all sorts of stuff and we just absolutely pepper the guy in the basket (laughs) you get eggs cracked on your head shaving cream shampoo we oh beer it's called a beer shower we dump beer on each other but like pretty much everything else but beer is getting dumped on you yeah Uh, that that's a that's a good rookie initiation that we've done um Obviously, you know, you, you have to – rookies are always, you know, being called up to the front of the bus on the way to the airport or on the way back. I had to do that in 18 
I had to do that in 2018, like with Russell Martin and uh, some of those older guys on the team. It was a little different last year because we didn't really have like, like uh, I guess Giles and uh, Clay and Richard. They ran the mic last year and they did a sick job. But when Russell Martin was on that mic, he always did pretty pretty fantastic job. So would they make you guys like do karaoke and sing on the bus? Yeah, yeah, we, I mean, we had to do a ton of things on the bus, go up and talk about you, you know, lost your virginity, or, <laughs> uh, I mean, some guys, the stories that some guys have, too, are just so, so funny, and, uh, but yeah, most of the time, they make guys sing, and, uh, but the virginity thing, that, that's, like, a must. <laughs> that's honestly the funniest story of all time, and I, like, that's why I obviously kind of started this podcast, because I... I, and you can attest to this. I, I think baseball is kind of bland and dry, and I want to bring yeah. a little bit of more light to the game of baseball and kind of talk I about agree. stuff like this. But obviously, I don't want to go deep into like the stories told in the bus because that's between you guys. And yeah. I respect that because I'm I'm a respected sports journalist. We'll call myself. We'll call myself a JUCO banner that just respects the game of baseball. So let, let's talk about Russell Martin because Russell Martin is was pretty much is a legend in Canada. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, playing with him and just seeing the kind of interaction that he had with fans here. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean, not not many guys, you know, that I've been around and played with were, I mean, like him. You know, he was been around the game a lot. He's seen a lot. And, uh, I mean, he knows the game really well. He's caught a lot of great guys. I never actually got the chance to pitch to him. He played – he was playing third base that day that I pitched that game against the Orioles. So Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, pretty cool to have him behind me. He's, he's great at third base, too. I was surprised when he hopped out there. I, I didn't know he was that good in the infield. Um, but just his leadership alone, like the way he would control the team, like just talking to guys and, uh, it's pretty special to, to have a guy like him around that that's been around the game, you know? Yeah. And, and, and we're talking about the infield and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to mention about Boba Shett and I yeah. want to put my brain to the power here. And I want to do a little bit of like a stat cast or just an analytic thing to see how many children are conceived while Boba Shett is playing like <laughs> in Toronto and while he's fielding ground balls. Because yeah. uh, it's just something about that guy in the infield yeah. makes me want my girlfriend to not be anywhere near the Rogers Center. I'll just I'll put it that way. Well, what's it like playing with Boba Shett? Because this guy is a yeah. prodigy. He's actually the big fish to get on this podcast. If I get him, I might have to keep the camera above the waist so what, what's what, what's it like playing with boba shot um you know it's it's always exciting seeing him play and obviously he came up in the big leagues and i mean he got off to a hotter start than i think anyone ever has in the big leagues so that was that was pretty special to watch and just be able to come to the park every day and see but um his defense is great you know when he goes into the hole and that hair starts flying around and, and he backhands one he's got a strong arm too and um He's just a hard, uh, you know, hard playing kid. He goes out there and gives it his all, and, and that's all you can ask for. And, and when he's giving effort like that and playing the way he does, you know, he's going to be around for a while. So it's it's fun to be uh, teammates with him. Yeah, and I got a couple a couple more questions. What? Who's a guy on the Jays like that? I don't know if you've seen during spring training. Who's like an underrated guy on the Blue Jays that doesn't get the recognition that you think he deserves? Hmm. Um. Uh. I don't know. I mean, we have some guys on the team that get a ton of recognition. You know, obviously we have Bo, Vlad, and Kevin, and those guys. They they deserve all the hype that they get. They're all great talent, but they deserve all the hype because they're so damn good. Um, but underrated players on the Jays. Um, We're gonna say you. We're gonna say you, crafty yeah. lefty. Yeah, I would love <laughs> yeah, me. Hopefully, me. I I've, I don't really get too much publicity from the Jays on the old Instagram, which is fine, but. 
Um, yeah, I'd probably say myself. I know we're gonna do. I'm just gonna. I want to start being your PR guy. Everything you do with the Jays, I'm just gonna put from the officially unofficial podcast on Twitter, and that, we're just gonna go from there. Just Thanks. Twitter and Instagram. We're a pro the Tom Father pod. We're a pro Tom Father podcast, and that's what we're gonna do from here on out. So let's talk about this year because the Jays are kind of mashing right so far in spring training, and. Uh, it's it's their bats are always going to be there for the Jays and now we have the pit and I'm not going to say weeks I'm, I I this is a pet peeve of mine I hate when people refer to professional teams as we so yeah, if you I do that, that unfollow this podcast but anyways <laughs> I want to talk about this year for the Blue Jays what's the kind of goal how I end all the podcasts what's the kind of goal that you what's the goals you have going into the 2019 season as well as the Blue Jays so you're saying goals for myself yeah goals for yourself well, obviously my main goal is to make the team right now I want to just solidify myself on the team uh they told me that i'm gonna be uh coming out of the bullpen so that's that's a positive for me there's not many left-handed bullpen arms um i really just want to you know have a great season under my belt put a good year and in the big leagues i wasn't really too happy with how i performed i was happy with how i did last year but you know i my numbers didn't show what i wanted to do i obviously you know want to do a lot better than i did last season um and it comes with just being consistent, coming to the park every day in the same attitude, same mindset. Um, last year, I kind of let the game speed up with me a little bit. I kind of felt, you know, added pressure to, to get my numbers in a good spot before the season ended. And that's not the way you play this game. you got to play loose. you got to have fun. And um, I just want to, you know, enjoy the game and, and, and take every moment in I can and, and obviously perform to a very high level, you know. And I want to do this since we're – I consider you a good friend now. I'm going to call you my good friend every time I refer to the Blue Jays. Like, yeah, Thomas Pannone is a pretty good friend of mine. Every time you have a quality outing in Toronto, I'm going to send you cannolis. Just to make you feel at home with the Italians. I'm going to send you some of some of the low-rose cannolis. Maybe they can sponsor this. We'll send you a, a nice a nice tray of cannolis to spread with the teammates. I'm going to do that. Every quality start you have, you have my seal of approval. And I'm going to be at the opening day. I might wear the whole – I might I might have to buy a Thomas Pannone jersey. I don't know. I'll figure it out from there. Awesome. <laughs> and we're, and like and like I said, man, it's just like it, it, it like I'm trying to we're trying to make this podcast, trying to make baseball fun again. It also it helps when we have guys like you, Trent, Nate, hop on this kind of stuff and kind of show your personalities off. It was a pleasure to have you on, man. And uh, I'm gonna be at opening day. I'll be just stay tuned for that. For sure. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. Thank you.